0: they can't go on Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 6th of June 2013 For newcomers, I hope you make good use of the website CuttingThroughMatrix.com And you'll find on it all the other sites I have listed there They all carry audios for download And I go through the system we're born into How it came to be Uh, Who who controls it, the big foundations and so on that are the fronts for international bankers who set up organizations like the Royal Institute of International Affairs, a private organization that helps to run the world's whole media, in fact, and most of its politics, too. And the Council on Foreign Relations is the American cousin, but they have branches across the whole world today, so I go through the histories of that and I take lots of information from their personal historian because they had a uh, an archivist who was, who was who was allowed in, and they, he read their their version of history because they 're behind really shaping the world and the future and have been for a hundred years. also you can get transcripts for prints up in all those sites listed there. Uh, and you can get transcripts in other languages if you go into dot EU. and remember too that you're the audience that bring me to you I don't sell uh, gimmick stuff I just uh, sell the books and discs at com to pay for the costs of all these sites I have up there and uh, all my bills and all the rest of it to, to come flooding in here all the time so if you like uh, what you see and lots certainly do, because there are lots, lots of people use it, the information that comes out here, uh, then you could hopefully either donate or buy the books and the discs at cuttingthroughmatrix.com. And from the US to Canada, don't forget you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders to Canada, and you can send cash or use PayPal across the world, Western Union MoneyGram, and PayPal is okay. And as I say, straight donations are really seriously welcome, because so many things have to be renewed at this time of year. Now, we were born into a system, as I say, and most folk haven't a clue uh, of how intensely organized it is uh, by specialists and various sciences, too, all involved. Because when the Royal Institute of International Affairs set itself up a 100 years ago, they they had a plan to to basically use the British Empire as a a kind of template for the world, for a world government. And they knew they'd have to bring on world wars. They wrote it in their own journals and their own meetings that they had uh, to make this all happen. As well documented, too, they were behind creating the Boer War, for instance, and, and, and the setting up of prison camps, their concentration camps, really, for men, women, and children. And they, they didn't stop there. They were already fomenting in the late 1800s a coming war with Germany, which ended up being World War I. And they believed that through getting the world to its knees financially, because they'd have to borrow from them, who were the top bankers who comprised their Orange of International Affairs, uh, then they'd have to give up sovereignty and then they could join them into big trading blocks for free trade for their own big private corporations, which they still run today. You'll find there's very little competition at the top at all. you find everything that's out there is an international organization that does awfully well. It's all part of one consortium. That's how simple things really are. And the same consortium decided to go after everyth- all of the world's resources, including everything that you need to survive. That's all energy, uh, food, water, and so on. And you're living through the end part of this particular part of the agenda. They've already uh, planned the next 100, 200 years or more, and they know how to change society and culture step by step. It's very effective. They brought on board the top scientists of their day up to the present time. Now that they're using lots of neuroscientists and behaviorists, psychologists, psychiatrists, etc., anthropologists, you name it. They have them all, Whole, whole big think tanks of them working on every facet of how to get from here to here. And they go through every problem. They could, they could pop up in, in the future. Uh, oppositions all pop up and even set up oppositions in advance of even starting the game off. So you don't have to look around. They've already made one for you to join. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and I've talked so many times about the scientists, as I say, that boards and boards of specialists in different areas of the the mind, basically the human mind, uh, society, sociology and so on, and uh, ethnology, anthropology, and they literally work full time, thousands of think tanks across the whole world, on us, on how to get us from here to, to there, basically. By giving us new, um, ways to, uh, to, 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 behave, to think, uh, all given to you by experts on television or even through fiction too because you adopt the characters that are the heroes or heroines in fiction, and uh, but you identify with them. That's why you always have the male and the female and other kinds nowadays too. But anyway, uh, that's how it's done. It's very, very simple. We adopt other people's attitudes when it's, when it's repetitive. That's not all you need too is re- repetition. And, um, we're bombarded with many different memes and so on Constantly now uh, They come out from the mainstream to start with And then into the movies Even into novels and so on Over and over again Until our behaviour is modified And we actually act out our behaviour In the way it's designated for us to follow So we're, we're so apt to, to do this And it's, it's always been this way actually even in ancient Greece, uh, used to have traveling players that came from, from the Levant area, even across the, all of ancient Greece. And it was mandatory uh, at times that everyone had to go and watch these plays because they were often called moral plays and so on. But uh, it was for the updating of what the kings and the leaders wanted them, the people to behave like and dress like too, by the way. Because even, even music at one point almost got licensed in ancient Greece because Plato said that it could foment agitation amongst the young and have them rebel. Now, he wasn't against it, technically, because he himself was part of a, a revolutionary cult that was there to foment revolution. And um, when Socrates had to drink his poison, he found that other members of his school had toddled off elsewhere to be out of the way for a long time, and, and Plato happened to be one of them. And Plato was really charged with trying to corrupt the youth because um, very much, very similar to previous uh, cults that come out of Egypt, in fact, or that area, um, they tried to form a revolution by undermining uh, the moral states of the young and getting them to rebel and kick out the, the nobility and so on so that a new group can come in and take over. This is still going on today, by the way, the same, same technique. Anyway, getting back to what I'm talking about here, it's to do with how quickly we adapt to new normals all the time. And um, they come out all the time, and we're told very, very straight today uh, by, again, mainstream media and important people, etc., that you, you know very well. They come out and tell you what to believe about certain things, right down to sexual orientations and everything else. And when when governments are involved in this kind of morality, altering moralities and, and behavior modification on the general population, that's not what government was ever there for. Hope you understand that. That's not the the purpose of government. But they've taken it upon themselves because you're living in a strange kind of system that pretends it's democratic but isn't at all. It's only democratic for the big NGOs, non-governmental organizations, well funded by the foundations that which comprise the parallel government. And if you're not, if you don't belong to any of of these particular groups, uh, you get no hearing at all and you're condemned in fact because you see, these NGOs are all pushing the envelope for the massive changes to come as we go down the tubes. Because society must be totally crushed, you understand. All that existed, according to the Frankfurt School, had to be totally eliminated. And all the, the moralities, the whole culture of, uh, of, the, of Europe and the Americas must be totally destroyed. We're actually, we've lived through most of it actually, and we're going through the last phases of it today. And you won't understand anything until you do read the writings and the mandates of the Frankfurt School that used uh, this new so-called pseudoscience called psychiatry that came out under a guise, actually, by another group with a front man uh, that was determined to smash the culture. It's ongoing today. But anyway, getting back to what I'm saying here, we adapt so quickly to the changes because everyone around you tends to cave in quickly. And they adapt too. And I've read articles here from various university studies on the middle classes, the educated classes and so on. They found that the more education someone gets and the more they're into even bureaucracies, especially, especially bureaucracies working for governments. They're the fastest to adapt because they all want to belong to the group and they will not see anything politically incorrect And the people who still have a a functioning brain are those with the least education, strangely enough, because um, it's not so strange after all. Because remember, I've gone through the history of indoctrinations uh, for the school systems. John Taylor Gatto wrote a lot about that too. Charlotte Isabre did as well. And it's worthwhile reading their, their, their books and so on because they go into the functions today the present functions of schools, which again are behavior modifications, and the teachers are basically change agents. That's what they are. They're for change. You're living through the century of change, the 21st century, remember. And academia touted this was the century where all all the the radical movements would would get what they wanted to to be transforming society uh, by force, if, if need be, imprisonment if need be too, for those who wouldn't adapt. Very similar to what the Soviets wanted to get to, and, in fact, we're going further, and, because we do it in a more scientific fashion than the Soviets. Now, psychiatry in the Soviets also was used as a pseudoscience psychiatry, which is a political tool today. And it was used for policy and, and, and politics in the Soviet Union. You were put in prison if you had inflexibility of opinion. And, and so you're classified as insane, or if you criticized any policy of the government, you had to be insane, because it was a utopia, you see, so you had to be mad to criticize it, obviously and we're at that stage today basically because the same people who ran the Soviet Union are running our minds for us in our own countries the Soviet Union was supposed to fall when it did because it was moving in to the West had already set up in the West long, long ago with big groups in major cities with lots of power in the media and especially in universities and went through all the radical changes that they foisted on the West in, in the 60s to the present time it's still ongoing by the way don't ever think things just die away by themselves. Something like that did not die away. Even Lenin said that the dictatorship of the Soviet system would last about one generation. Then it would move and blend with the West. And it would be quite capitalist, not quite communist. They call it socialist today. And the banks love socialism because they're in charge of it completely. They have massive government and bureaucracies and agencies making sure that the peasants cannot get to them at the top. You understand? That's what it's for. And then it all runs on borrowing money from the bankers, to the private international bankers. Now, there's many people saying that we're living through a Stasi system now because all the signs are there. You have no privacy whatsoever. Things that tyrants only dreamt of. In fact, they couldn't. It was too far beyond imagination to dream to get to this stage. It's all here today. And you give up all your data quite willingly every day. When you're chatting to someone on the phone, you forget what you're saying because you think they're right next to you. And you've got a third ear on every phone call. And everything is kept. And studies are done on you. Everybody has studies done on them. It's not just certain people, it's everybody. You you are already in the virtual reality computer at the Pentagon. I've read the article from the Pentagon many times. And they have a virtual you in there that they update daily with all the info that you put up about yourself. And then they run little games on you to see how you'd react in situations, simulated games. Because, And they find out you would, you would actually behave that way in reality. They're very accurate. Most of the youngsters think it's normal because they're born into it. And they adapt much, much quicker. And um, unfortunately, adults are all, are all going the same way as well. They keep forgetting, keep forgetting, keep forgetting. It's a third year in every phone call. So it's quite easy for the big boys at the top who are into this amazing tyranny to to monitor every single person. Now, this article here says that Blink, and you have likely missed Obama's latest Watergate moments, this time following the disclosure, the White House has instructed the NSA to collect millions of daily phone records from Verizon and likely all other carriers. Now, they've been doing it for years anyway. But it says what is surprising to us that this is that this is even news. We reported just in March of 2012 with, we are this far from a turnkey totalitarian state. That was an article. And Big Brother Goes Live, September 2013. And then again in April 2000, uh, it says. Um, NSA whistleblower speaks live, the government is lying to you, using an NSA whistleblower as a source, still no matter the distribution platform, it's a welcome development for the majority of the population to you know that the same Stasi tactics so loathed for decades in the fringes of the evil empire are now a daily occurrence under the most transparent administration in history, as they call themselves the most transparent in history. This is especially true in the aftermath of the recent media scandals involving the soon-to-be Attorney General. So what was the latest largely regurgitated news? Overnight, uh, The Guardian's to Glenn Greenwald reports that the NSA is collecting phone records of millions of Verizon customers daily, following a top secret court or requiring Verizon to hand over all call data sh- shows a scale of domestic surveillance under Obama. And they got this from The Guardian, and this is from The Guardian, says the National Security Agency is currently collecting telephone records of millions of US customers, Verizon, one of America's largest telecom providers under top-secret court orders issued in April. The order, a copy of which has been obtained by the Guardian, inquires Verizon on an ongoing daily basis to give NSC information on all telephone calls in, in its systems, both within the U.S. and between the U.S. and other countries. The document shows for the first time that under the Obama administration, the communication records of millions of U.S. citizens are being collected indiscriminately and in bulk, regardless of whether they're suspected of any wrongdoing. The Secret Foreign Intelligence Service Court, called FISA, granted the order to the FBI on April 25th during the government, unlimited, giving them unlimited authority to obtain the data for a specified three-month period ending July 19th. Under the terms of the blanket order, the numbers of both parties on a call are handed over as its location, data, call duration, unique identifiers and the time and duration of all calls. The content of the conversation itself are not covered. That's a lie. They, they know dar- darn well and they do cover it. And the NSA whistleblower mentioned that too, remember. The disclosure is likely to, re- to reignite long-standing debates in the US over the proper extent of the government's domestic spying powers. And it says, no, it won't. I'll put this up tonight, and by the way, Dan Feinstein's, the one I push it through, and see all for it. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, yeah, as I said before, Dianne Feinstein was the one behind this latest thing, too. And so the two top leaders of the Senate Intelligence Committee said today that widespread monitoring of phone records revealed by Wednesday's Guardian report has been going on for years and that Congress has regularly briefed about it. Senators Dan Feinstein and Saxby Chambliss also defended the National Security Agency's request to Verizon for all metadata about phone calls made within the U.S. and from other U.S. countries. They said... And the information gathered by intelligence on the phone communications is metadata used to connect phone lines to terrorists, and that did not contain the content of the phone calls or messages. And remember, they always talk to you like children. That's, that's how they're taught, actually, and, and bureaucracies, etc., a climb the, the ladder. Uh, they talk to you like children, and they lie to you all the time. It's always been that way, though. And it says... As far as I know, this is the exact three-month renewal of what has been in place for the past seven years, Feinstein said. This renewal is carried out by the Foreign Intelligence Service Court under the Business Records section of the Patriot Act. Therefore, it is lawful and has been briefed to Congress. Feinstein said she could not answer whether other phone companies have had their records sifted through as Verizon has. Well, she knows she won't tell you. I know that people are trying to get to us, she said. That's the reason why the FBI now has 10,000 people doing intelligence on counterterrorism. This is the reason that the National Counterterrorism Center has been set up in the time we've been active is to ferret out uh, before it happens, all information. It's called Protecting America. Feinstein wouldn't say whether Congress should uh, have an investigation to who leaked information. Give me a little bit of time. I saw this maybe an hour ago. I haven't had the opportunity to do the due, to due, due diligence, he says. And um, added, Chambliss, this is nothing new. This has been going on for seven years. Every member of the U.S. Senate has been advised this. So it's kind of rehashed information. But what it does, is, too, is reinforce what is here. In the minds of the majority of the people who don't truly, really, they're not suspicious about it at all, and so it's normal. It becomes normalised. Well, what's the problem? So it's, it's normalised. It's, isn't it always been like this? That's how the, It happens so fast, doesn't it, to have folk adapt? Now, remember, Diane Feinstein too has many conflicting uh, associations, you might say. But her husband. Um, he uh, he always gets contracts from the big government. He had one massive one given uh, uh, to uh, from the U.S. government that dealt with China. It was very, very lucrative indeed. Because these guys, you see, these, these politicians and so on, that are lifers there and, and they live in their networks, very, very, uh, very compact networks of, of uh, helpers and so on. Uh, they use government like private businesses. That's what they do for those who don't understand how it works. It isn't just Britain you've got all this kind of lobbying stuff going on and backhanders, etc. The biggest money is in contracts. Even Maggie Thatcher and her husband got stacks of them when, when she was in power in Britain. Because her husband uh, was a big, big real estate guy who bought massive amounts of land. Always just after, the, 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 well, actually during the time when it was just getting leaked out that the army or the air force was after certain parts of land. Bingo, they'd get the contract and he, before, he'd buy it over before they got the contract out and then he got up about a hundred folds and you sell it to them. That's not bad deals, eh? So yeah, government's very lucrative for a psychopath. Now it says, uh, so it says here, um here's another article, this is from April. Senator Diana Feinstein's husband wins California rail contract. That was another one he got, you see. He's such a lucky man, this. Just, just, he's the best man for the job, obviously. Anyway, Senator Diana Feinstein's husband, Richard Blum, won the first phase construction contract for California's high-speed rail. And then this author says, I'm shocked. Shocked, I tell you. If I didn't witness the insanity and corruption in politics every day, I wouldn't have believed this. The Perini Zachary Parsons bid was the lowest to from the five consortia participating in the bidding process, but low is a relative term. The lear Pierce author of C- Crazy Fonia wrote, "The firm bid $985,152,530 uh, dollars. This is this million dollars, nine hundred eighty-five, almost nine hundred eighty-six million dollars, to build the widely anticipated first section of high-speed rail track that will tie the megapolis of Madeira to the global finance center of Fresno." Uh, and it says here, it works out to, to work about $35 million a mile. Not bad deal, eh? So that was one he was given, too. He's always getting government credit, but again, in, I keep forgetting he's the best man for the job. That's right. And then there's another one that came out, too. And it says, it was recently learned that the United States has entered into a contract with one firm to sell 56 buildings that currently house U.S. post offices. They're selling them all off and closing them down, you see. The government has decided that no longer needs these buildings, many of which are located in prime land and towns and cities across the country. The sale of these uh, properties will bring in billions of dollars, and with that, millions of dollars in commissions for one company that's in charge of handling the sale and negotiation of the new leases. What makes this uh, such a matter of concern is the company that the government has contracted with to conduct the sales and the corresponding leases for the new locations of the displaced post offices is owned by Richard Blum, the husband again. again right man for the job again, eh? If there's a government corner, ah, gee, he's just he's the right man. It's the first name that comes to your mind, isn't it? So anyway, that's how business is, is works really. Government is business for those in the know who are awfully powerful for for, because of different reasons, and they're untouchable, certainly. I'll put these these links all up tonight at cuttingthroughmediates.com. Now, Russia permanently is deploying a navy in the mid, and it says uh, the move comes amid tensions with the West over Syria and marks the first permanent Russian naval deployment in the area since the Soviet era. And it's deployed a naval unit to the mid announced on Thursday. A move President Putin said was to defend Russian security, which comes as Moscow faces off with the West over Syria. And so we'll see what happens there, it's either a bluff or he means business. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth hi folks we 're back cutting through the matrix and and also too, stay on the, the we're getting back to the wire chopping thing and so on, which is the new normal um, you 'll find that there's conflicting nations put it that way or peoples i 'll tell you how you want to view it interested too in in spying on the whole world inside America too but here's an article here from last year it ties in with this perfectly it says two secretive Israeli companies bugged the US telecommunications grid for the NSA and this was in Wired and a whole bunch of magazines and it's also in Australia and it says two companies that bugged the U.S. telecommunications network for the National Security Agency have extensive links to Israel's intelligence service. Now, put all these links up. Remember, you can uh, look them up yourself. James Bamford of Wired reports, NSA's chief general, Keith Alexander, was called before Congress last week to testify about the $2 billion Utah spy center the NSA is currently building. And he said that the NSA doesn't have the ability to spy on the confidential personal communication of Americans. So they brought in Israelis to do it which means they've been probably been doing it all along anyway and still are. It seems that he wasn't lying since the NSA hires secretive contractors with extensive ties to Israel to provide hardware and software for 10 to 20 wiretapping rooms and key telecommunication points throughout the country, according to Wired. Thus the NSA has gained access to most of the domestic traffic flowing through the US without actually doing it themselves. According to a former Verizon employee briefed on the program, Verintz, owned by Converse Technology, taps the communication lines at Verizon. AT&T, the wiretapping rooms, are powered by software and hardware from Nerus, now owned by Boeing, a discovery made by AT&T whistleblower Mark Klein in 2004. Both Verint and Neris were founded in Israel in the 1990s. Both provide monitoring and intercept capabilities to service providers and government organizations, promoting claims that their equipments can access and retain large amounts of information on a vast number of targets. One of the founders, Verint Jacob Kobe Alexander, is a former Israeli intelligence officer. There's no such thing as former intelligence in 2007, a former commander of the highly secretive unit 8200, that's Israel's NSA, told Forbes the technology of Converse, that's a company that owns Varence, is based on unit 8200 technology, Wired reported. A co-founder and former chairman of Nehru's, Ori Cohen, told Fortune 2001 that its partners have done technology work for Israeli intelligence. Another former chief unit of 8200, acknowledged to the Israeli paper Haritz last year, that high-tech firms around the world employ both Unit 8200 equipment and its veteran personnel. And S was on too. And it says from Wired magazine, it says cautious estimates indicate that in the past few years, Unit 8200 veterans have set up some 30 to 40 high-tech companies, including five to 10 that were floated on Wall Street. Referred to only as Brigadier General B, he added, this correlation between serving in Intelligence Unit 8200 and starting successful high-tech companies is not coincidental. Many of the technologies in use around the world and developed in Israel were originally military technologies and were developed and improved by unit veterans. The NSA, whose official mission is to spy on foreign governments, began eavesdropping on the international communications of Americans after President Bush secretly authorized the practice in 2002, without the court-approved warrants ordinarily required for domestic spying to search for evidence of terrorist activity. The highly secret U.S. eavesdropping net, codenamed Stellar Wind, has not stopped expanding since President Bush gave the initial executive order, and Wired has reported on the numerous new NSA facilities. And it goes on as a whole bunch of these corporations from Israel and so on, and connected to their involved with the NSA. So everything ties in, always does. And the mainstream, which really has a lot to do with some of these countries, uh, that are spying on you, uh, won't say anything about it. They won't say anything about it. So it's pretty, pretty tough to get good information coming out. In fact, if you want some good information, sometimes you have to go into some of the Israeli press to get stuff from for Britain or America. Pulitzer Prize-winning investigative journalist criticizes state of journalism at the Jerusalem Press Club lecture. Acclaimed journalist Judith Miller sits next to Bloomberg News monitor at the lecture room in Jerusalem. All the big newscaster boys are over at this meeting in the Jerusalem Press Club. And it says, so... An investigative journal, a journalist Pulitzer Prize winning and so on, Judith Miller shared some sharp criticism against the Obama administration's criminalization of news gathering and the state of journalism at a Jerusalem Press Club lecture, the Capitol Wednesday evening. During a lecture at the Conrad Adenauer Conference Center titled Preserving Freedom of the Press and moderated by Bloomberg news reporter Caleb Ben David, Miller did not hide her contempt for U.S. President Barack Obama's infringement on the press's civil liberties. She says investigative reporting is dangerous and hasn't been as bad as it is now with President Obama administration since Watergate, she said. Obama has the worst record of civil liberties of any president since Nixon. Miller cited the U.S. Justice Department's systemic targeting of associate Press reporters, Fox News correspondent James Rosen and WikiLeaks publisher Julian Assange, by invoking the Espionage Act against them as examples of criminalizing news gathering. She says, I'm worried about what's going on in America. She says, we have a president who is doing terrible things in the name of national security, a member of the New York Times team that won a Pulitzer Prize for explanatory reporting. Miller, now a Fox News correspondent, may be most notable for her refusal to reveal her sources during the Valerie Plame affair, when the identity of CIA operator Valerie Plame was exposed from compromising national security. Miller noted the difficulty investigative journalists face in walking the line between harming national security and doing their jobs and cited Israeli journalists as veterans at dealing with this dilemma. She said, the First Amendment is sacred, but security is more sacred, and Israeli journalists have struggled with this to find the line between a threat to national security versus what is politically embarrassing. She said, you guys have wrestled with this much longer than we have Regarding Miller's Fox News colleague James Rosen, against whom the U.S. US Department of Justice invoked the Espionage Act last month and monitored his personal emails and phone calls, Miller again lambasted the Obama administration. In the case, a government advisor was accused of leaking information after a 2009 story by Rosen was published in which he reported that North Korea planned to respond to looming U.N. sanctions with another nuclear test such when court documents filed in 2011 made public last month show an affidavit filed by the FBI claiming there was evidence Rosen broke the law, at the very least either as an aider, a better or a co-conspirator, by publishing his findings. So she goes on about some the Espionage Act and so on being used now against uh, investigative reporters. And she's quite right in that too, but it's not just there, it's happening in Britain, Australia, and all British Empire countries, who all went along with the same agreements that Levinson brought out in Britain, and, and they had their own versions on their countries too. And you can see the news now, and she says this too, what you're getting for news is trivia. Have you noticed that? You're not getting opinions, you're not getting a more in-depth look at someone, you're getting opinions. Everyone's scared to say anything or dig into any any dirt in case the, the, the big boys come down on them too big, too heavy. It's an agreement all the press have come to. But mind you too, the press has always been a prostitute, which is a prostitute of course. And their job really is to keep you in line under the spell of hypnosis. And at the same time too, they're used by special interest groups and even foreign nations for their own ends as well. Now, the European Union is always demanding billions more from every country, uh, even through their central bank, because this new, brand new private central bank they have there, running their, the whole, uh, uh, European Union, uh, have had them all sign treaties that when they demand money to bail out other countries, you must just cough up the money and you think you're given 11 days to pay up, or else, or else what, I don't know. But they've never got any money for anything else, apart from the big lavish dinners and all the rest of it and red carpet affairs. But it says the European Union says no aid money is available for flood victims. They've massive flooding over in Europe because of the, the late thaws, basically, and, and even snow melting in the mountains, which have been gone long ago, and it's all rushing down into the, the Danube and other uh, rivers and, and flooding. And it's been quite a mess. But So they're claiming they're broke. They're broke, they say. And the hands are out again for, the, for for more cash. You know, the hands are always out. And the guy in charge of it, of the cash for the, for this particular part of it, too, for the European Union, he's got a good job, this guy, easy job, I'm sure, um, says here, is complaining about it. And it says, The European Union in recent days has been quick to pledge rapid aid to Germany and other Central European countries as they seek to battle record flooding this week. But Wednesday the European Budget Commissioner Janusz Lewandowski? It says, says that the promises may have been a bit premature. The bloc's solidarity fund, he said, is, Guess what? Out go the hands again. It's empty. <laughs> yep, Mr. Lewandowski. And then, Another thing, too, as we go down the radical destruction of the family units, society in general, and all morality, to destroy the culture that some of these other people said was dangerous to them. And then they have no more danger once it was all destroyed. You find this kind of thing happening. paedophile teacher is allowed back to teach children. A teacher who downloaded pictures of naked children as being allowed back in the classroom. Cops found 189 sick images on Jeffrey Bentley's computer, and he also viewed child abuse photos. But a disciplinary panel ruled married Bentley, he's married 39 years old, was not a danger to children and can apply for teaching jobs again. The decision even appeared to be backed by Tory Education Secretary Michael Gove. It says that RU teacher Bethley, was sacked from St Mary's Catholic School in Menston, West, West York's in December 2011 after cops were tipped off. Well, actually the cops run from these sting operations and a lot of these sites, I think, to get them in. That's how they know who's doing it. They cautioned him in order to sign the sex offenders register. He viewed their positive images for three years. But the National College of Teaching and Leadership said he was not preoccupied with the pictures and did not seem to have uh, sexual interest in children. The they're all in sexual pauses and everything. And it says a uh, Tory MP, Philip Davis, responded: "This was suspect. Most p- parents would feel sorry, uh, feel very uneasy about this man being able to continue teaching. In such cases, there should be an automatic bar." Understand, you're watching the old norms be knocked down little by little until you'll see, you get eventually, you have convicted pedophiles in the schools, a- and everyone will accept it. By the way, I'm not kidding you. Veteran Russell said a long time ago, and he had a lot to do with the changing of culture for the last 60-odd years. Even though he's long dead, he planned a lot of it with big think tanks like the Macy Group, from work with the Frankfurt School, given the job to to change the culture of the West. Presidents and prime ministers gave them the job, these groups, to change the cultures. And you're living through it now. So he said, eventually we'll be able to convince anybody of anything. And I I really believe it. I've seen it a lot of it. The worst news today, of course, in Canada, because Canada is very quiet. Uh, because you find the, the countries really that are really parts of the British colonial system, and they still are: like Australia, New Zealand, Canada. Are run much the same ways they have been for an awful well, hundreds of years, in fact. And the colonies' rules were given out by the Attorney Generals at one time, who represented the King or Queen of the country, and or the Governor Generals. And there was no debating one, one time. So we have a parliament now that pretends to debate, but really it's just the same techniques. We get told very little in Canada. And, and what they do tell you is generally lies. Because remember when the bank crashes happened in 2008, they said that Canada was in great shape. That's all, that's all over the press. For four years it was, Canada was in great shape. No problems with the banks. Four years later, after 2008, they, they announced, oh, oh yeah, we were bailing out banks in Canada. That's how they treat you in Canada. That's how it is. But the big news in Canada is that chocolate firms Nestle and Mars are accused of price-fixing the price of chocolate. No kidding you. Nothing else is happening here. Nothing. Just rigging the price of chocolate. And so, what? why didn't they pick on the guys that have been rigging the price of gasoline for the last hundred years? The big consortium. Hmm. Now, also in Canada under the new worldwide rules that came from the United Nations and so on, to stop bullying, the colour. it. you you started off about not, not uh, claiming, and it's nonsense too, a lot of it, people were, were bullying uh, homosexuals, they call them gay now, which means happy, but I refuse to use it because it would mean that heterosexuals are unhappy, wouldn't it? Understand the, te- the terminology they use for good reasons that these are picked, these, these terminologies. Anyway, it's said here that um, this is what so happened that was to emasculate the, the child, the male in Canada. It's happening across the world, of course. But it says, Brian McLaren of Calgary was sitting in a class on Tuesday when he overheard a classmate being bullied. Realizing the bully had pulled a knife on his classmate, he instinctively tackled him. Well, that's a natural male reaction. You see what's going to happen, someone's going to get stabbed and be killed, and you try and stop them. Unfortunately, Sir John E. Macdonald's school does not condone heroics and Maclean found himself in trouble along with the knife-wielding assailant He says, I was in between two desks and he was poking and prodding the guy Briar told the National Post He put him in a headlock and I saw that Maclean didn't see the bully pull at the knife but he heard the flick of it and he heard them say that there was a knife Someone said there was a knife Around the fourth period that day Briar was sent to the office and the vice principal called his mother, Leo O'Donnell They phoned me up and says Briar was involved in an incident today, and they decided to play hero and jump in. She said the school told her their son should have told the teacher if there was a problem self-handling the situation himself. But at that time, he the guy with his throat cut, right? That's okay. That's what they want, you see. I asked the vice principal, in the time it would have taken him to get to a teacher, could that kid's throat have been slit? O'Donnell said, she says yes, but that's beside the point. We don't condone heroics in the school. See, this is all feminism, folks, uh, that really have emasculated the school systems, by design, too. And this, this, this is a problem a lot of men have, um, with teachers and so on. It's the fact that it's like talking to a robot. We're trying to get co- what your point where you see as common sense from a male, male point of view across. Because they go by the book, no matter how crazy it is. And you find in the Soviet Union, which means ruled by, Soviet means ruled by councils. And what they, the, the, the Bolshevik boys did, they picked mainly women to rule these councils. Because they would be book stickers. They would never, always go by the book and not it does not matter how crazy it was. They go along with it verbatim, by the book. And that's what you have everywhere else now. Because the same system, you see, is now in uh, the Western Hemisphere. The student who reportedly interviewed and was asked to remain in the office to explain what happened, but was in no way disciplined, wrote the school's principal, Michael Bester. While he was not suspended, Breyer was made to feel as if he did something wrong. It's not recommended that students intervene in incidents such as this to ensure their own safety, Bester wrote. There was a teacher nearby who could have been asked to assist before the third student became involved. No, they wouldn't have assisted. They'd have phoned the police by that time. Who knows, maybe they would have been killed. Hmm? Go by the book, though. Because this is the agenda. It's an agenda, you see? Agenda. Now, this article is just a little bit to do with Attorney General sues the HSBC over foreclosures. and says, Albie, thousands of New Yorkers have likely been denied a better chance to get their homes out from under foreclosure by the HSBC Bank USA and its debut mortgage operations facility, our journey, Attorney General Eric Schneiderman, is charging in a new lawsuit. The legal action to be filed today's State Supreme Court in Erie County and to be unveiled by the Attorney General in a morning news conference in Buffalo accuses the banking giant of illegally ignoring a state law designed to get homeowners and banks into settlements talks to resolve foreclosure cases. They're still foreclosing them since 2000. Still, the, the banks are still at it and kicking people into the streets. These big Ponzi schemes, schemes called banks... Greenspan started all that off, you know. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're cutting through the matrix and you find that I mean, all governments are working together, of course, as you well know, in this global system. And they have the same groups um, lobbying them all the time as well. In fact, putting them into power often through financial deals and backing them when they run and so on. Anyway, Australia uh, has, has made a few gaffes over the years, and I can remember they're trying to web filter certain sites before. The first one they hit was a group of Christians that were complaining about abortions, and they pulled them off. Uh, but they're always trying again to go further and further. And it says Australia's de facto internet filter may block 250,000 sites. And this is Australian Securities Investment Commission has told a hearing of the Australian Parliament Senate Estimates Committee its attempt to block access to the IP address of one investment scam sector blocked 250,000 sites in total. So they're still at it. And believe me, uh, these these scams will go on. Uh, Another one they often use too is pornography. But for goodness sake... Since the internet was invented, the first thing they shoved up there was stacks of pornography to make sure that everybody got themselves a computer. I'm not kidding about that too. I mean, it was you couldn't get a paper at first for years, year after year. The only thing you knew about the internet was stacks of pornography on it. And that's that supposed to get you to go into it. And the children especially worked awfully well too. So they'll never ever bring it down, or these things down. They'll go after, as I say, the, the people who are complaining about abortions and spending their tax money on abortions and stuff like that for other people's problems. And you find too in this rigged system, you know, the better the psychopath, the more the more they go on in life. They're very successful, these types of psychopaths, because they're, they can be a man for all seasons. A psychopath always refers to themselves in the third person. They always um, charm everybody they meet. If they go to a Christian, do, they're a Christian. If they go to a New Age, do, they're a New Ager, and so on. And Bill Clinton films, films he does that very well, as you well know. So he's off to Israel as well for Shimon Prezi's 90th birthday party, and he's getting paid to go. I mean, it's not, you think this invited get, they get paid to go, to speak for half an hour, and he gets half a million dollars. Half a million, this is a payoff for things he did when he was in office. Same with the books that they sign that they're already bringing millions before they're even published. That's how you pay a lot of these guys off. Never mind all the directorships that get given to them too for big business deals they put through. Anyway, it says that um, Hillary Clinton isn't the only one in their powerful families to be raking in cash in the Speaker's Circuit. It's former President Bill is scheduled to make a half million dollars for speaking less than an hour. It's an hour. Oh, that's, well, that's terrible. It's only half a million for an hour. And it says that... Um, the fee is being paid by the Jewish National Fund, a non-profit group, a charity, you see, that will write at the check to the former president's charity, the William G. Clinton Foundation. The interests of the two groups align as they're both dedicated to environmental preservation initiatives and global health problems. Clinton is due to speak at the Paris Academic Centre in Rovot, Israel, where a celebration is being held in honour of President's 90th birthday in two weeks. The funds for the former President's trips are coming from the Israel branch of the Keren Kiemeth, uh Israel, also known as the JNF Israel branch. A spokesman from the American branch, which is identified as JNF USA, reached out to MailOnline to make sure it was clear that no JNF USA funds were being put forward towards Clinton's fee. So it's it's very lucrative because see, business government is business, folks. As I've said b- b- with Feinstein and many, many others, it's always been that way. Democracy, eh? Demo- what? Keep believing in it, folks, and I'll just sleep on you. Do from Hamish, Monsieur Frontier, Canada. It's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.